Hey, this is Carrie from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. This is the Expecting Ariel's podcast, now with the Digigent family of podcasts. How's it going, guys? Wonderful to have you here. Before we get started in the show notes, there's a link. Teacher training, June 24th and 25th. Wrap Your Head Around Silks, Silks Level 1. This is last call for applications, and then we're going to start our uh, hybrid Zoom hours and then our two days of in-person teacher training. So check the show notes there. If you have been thinking about it, go ahead and email me, carrie at wrapyourheadaroundsilks.com. And of course, uh, Arrow Rehab, my beginner to intermediate course and roll it out Sundays, 7 p.m. Pacific time uh, for an hour of live virtual rolling out of your body. We really focus on the aerialist problems. I uh, would love to have you join us. It's an intimate group and really, really fun. All right, so today we have Jen Livingood. She is one of the co-founders of the AWOL Dance Collective. We talk about her as a nutritionist. She gives us guidance and advice on how to how to do the keto diet. She actually um, used that as a vehicle to melt away her baby weight from her second pregnancy. And she's raising cattle one cow and she is living on a farm living living and loving life and uh, it was really great to meet her and to discuss this 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 lifestyle way of eating that I had not learned a lot about before so super excited for you guys to hear this let's get started my name is Jen living good and I am a registered dietitian and functional nutritionist, and I live in Damascus, Oregon, which is out in the country near Portland. So not super far out. I'm like a half an hour to get into the city, but we're, we're kind of at the like base of going up to Mount Hood, which is the major ski mountain around here. Um, so it's a very beautiful area, and we have, uh, I call it my mini farm. We live on four acres and we have some farm animals. We're raising some Angus cows for beef. Cool. And yeah, um, that's tricky. It's my first time doing it and you kind of have to like not like them, but they're super sweet. (laughs) Yeah, they're really sweet. They're getting like, we've had them since December and they're getting kind of tame and they'll like come right up to me and I'm like, stop, don't be nice. (laughs) But they're cute. Um, we have goats and chickens and lots of barn kitties <laughs> and a big garden. And so I'm really enjoying the country life. We just moved here a few years ago um, from close by, but more property. So I have um, a stepdaughter that just turned 25 and two kids still in the house, which my son is just about turning eight. And my daughter is 15 and both of my kids are competitive gymnasts. So, um, I like to say that they have like hijacked my entire life. (laughs) Everything I say I'm doing, I'm doing like 10% of, but what I'm really doing is just gymnastics. (laughs) You're driving them all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of driving. Uh, my daughter gets her license in September, um, which is bittersweet right like she's in my car a lot so we get to spend a lot of time together but um 
yeah, I drive them to and from the gym. It's a lot of balancing with that. And then during the season, which gymnastics season starts in like December and we're still not done with her season. So it goes a long time and there's a lot of travel and it's great family time, but it also kind of makes everything feel on hold when you're at the peak of it. So like lots of meets, like how far yes. are you traveling for all the gymnastics meets? Um, a lot of it is pretty like in the region in terms, we live in Oregon. So Washington, Oregon, um, we are going to Idaho. We went to San Diego earlier this year. Sometimes we go across the country, like they'll do one flyaway meet and sometimes it's close and sometimes it's like Texas or Florida or something. Um, and then my son, who's, you know, like I said, barely seven or barely going to be eight. He just went to Alaska for his regional meet. So that was kind of far. <laughs> wow. We were like, oh, okay. But it was a cool experience. So, you know, it's, it's really great for the kids because gymnastics is an amazing sport that is teaching you discipline and achievement and, um, you know, it's really giving you that coach voice in your life that is helping you learn all the things that your parents want you to learn that they kids don't really want to listen to. And then like the physical part of it, it keeps them so active. They're in the gym four to five nights a week. They don't have time to like be stuck on their screen. It's great. Yeah. And they, I'm assuming they love yeah. it. Yes, they love it. I think it's gotten, you know, my my daughter has been at it since first grade and she's tired. It's hard on your body. And you get into high school and you start seeing people having a social life and you're constantly sure. like, yeah, so it's that's a tough balance, I think. And I think you have to be careful with your body because it's really hard on your physical body, like your back and your joints. And it's so high impact that there's a lot of care that has to go along with that, which also takes a lot of time. So it's tricky. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So where does that leave you with your work time? Are you? Okay. I have an interesting combination. Um, my husband owns a sheet metal company and then I own one of our companies too. So we have like I have this little construction life that's always sort of happening because it's like our family business. Okay. And um, then I have my aerial life, which I'll talk about in a second. And then I have like my nutrition coaching life. So that's, you know, any mom would understand, like, as you're raising kids, you're constantly like adjusting what those, what that balance looks like, depending on where kids are at in their cycle of growing up. Um what I, I can tell you kind of how all of that unfolded, which going back to high school, I was a dancer and I really wanted to dance in college. And my dad was like, no, you need to pick like a career, something that you can depend on and fall back on. And so I was like, oh, I think I'll be a nutritionist and then I can work with dancers. And, you know, they need a lot of direction and guidance for eating. And there's a lot of eating disorders in that realm. So that's what I set out to do. And I finished my degree and I started working. I, I had to do an internship to become a dietitian and take the exam. And then I started working and I worked in research um, on a big study called the Women's Health Initiative. And I didn't 
love the career. Like I always felt so drawn still to the dancing and um, I danced a lot through college. And so I randomly like was in a dance class and had met a woman that did aerial and had a company here. And she invited me to audition and I had no idea what it was. Like, I guess I knew what a trapeze was, but that was pretty much it. And so this was in the year 2001 and I went and auditioned and she was looking for movers. Like she wanted people who had dance backgrounds. So the myself and the other people that got into the company at the time were more dancers and not trained aerialists. Also people didn't know what aerial was like, that was kind of Cirque du Soleil was starting, like people were starting to hear about Cirque, but that was the extent of it. Like YouTube didn't exist that we did not learn stuff by watching videos. We had to create stuff or find training. Like two years later, my job ended. Um, I also married my husband around that time and I ended up leaving that initial aerial company and creating a wall dance collective with three other women. So there were four co-founders and we were totally like street performers. (laughs) We were doing anything we could do. We were, um, we had, we were like creating apparatus that we could just climb on because a lot of times you couldn't find a place to hang equipment. So we were doing other kind of inventive, creative movement types of stuff. Um, just doing anything we could. And fast forward, um, AWOL has been, we started in 2003. So this is our 20 year anniversary. And it has become a full fledged organization that is offering, we have, before COVID started, I think we had over 60 classes a week going on in our facility. Wow. Yeah. It was very, wow like high operation. Um, but still we're a nonprofit. So a lot of grassroots at the same time. Um, but a lot of growth had happened in that like five years leading up to COVID that was making it, we were just flourishing. And, um, we had a professional company, which we still have. And then a pre-professional training company for adults and a youth training company, as well as a lot of recreational classes. So that was kind of like the, creation and um, growth of that company kind of came to a head. Like we finally in 2019 was probably the year that I was like, oh, I don't have to like freak out about the bank account every single day. Like it's finally getting to that place where everything is flowing. And then of course things changed once we were closed down a lot here, probably similar to you. Everything was closed for a long time. In 2020, I felt like I was just being really pulled back to be with my family more. We had moved out a little bit further, so it was that much further to drive in. And I I was so tight. Like, I had built the company up once, and I was like, I just don't know if I am personally equipped to rebuild a nonprofit after being closed down and nearly closing. Um. So it was really cool what worked out. I stayed on artistically as I'm still a co-director for our performance company, but we ended up hiring one of our board members. She took on the position of executive director. And it's been really awesome to see how she came along and had like all the skills that I didn't. So it's been really cool to watch. Um 
not only just the survival of AWOL through the pandemic and all the challenges that we faced with that, but the growth that has come out of allowing for change. So I love it. I love it. And you, you yourself went through this process of, of evolution. Yes. And I don't know if I can even articulate like the emotion that went with that because it was, you know, looking back at it, I'm 46 and I started AWOL when I was, I think 20, well, 27 basically, because we're going, I'm going to turn 47 this year. Um, I was such a different person. It was Mm, three kids and, you, you know, you, nothing could stop me. I was like, people would tell you, oh, that's not possible. And you're like, yeah, it is. I can do it. Don't worry about it. We got it. And you're just such a dreamer at that point. And I just didn't let things get in the way. And then as you get into your thirties and I had, I had my daughter when I was 30, um, you know, her growing up life was a lot of time spent in the studio and a lot of time in the car and a lot of me being gone in the evenings, which was also really, really hard because we all know that's when the space is most active at a studio, right? So yeah, I think like in retrospect, um, I there's things that I would have done differently to find better balance, especially for her because what's I had my kids so far apart, they're seven and a half years apart. I have had a lot more time with my son at home and like a lot more home time. And I, I wish in certain ways that I could have done that more with my daughter, but there's also the side where she saw mom, like killing it out there, you know, like she was exposed Mm -hmm. to a lot of, um, obviously a bunch of women that are hard workers and are not willing to back down when things get tough. So she probably learned a lot. She's very entrepreneurial, both my husband and I are, but I feel like it's been good exposure for her too. And physically, like she was flying on every apparatus she could touch when she was, she still had a binky in her mouth, you know? So, and now she is a fearless gymnast. And I have to think like for years, bars was her best event in gymnastics. And I was like, that's because she was on the trapeze from the beginning. Yeah. 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 There's something that uh, comes very naturally of what my bean's been doing <laughs> in class. Like I'll, I'll let her have my device and she'll be watching her like bluey or whatever, yeah. but she'll get into the hammock yes. and spin at the same time as she's watching her bluey. I was like, and so then adults, when I'm teaching them, they're like, how do you not get nauseous? And I think about my bean and I'm like, uh, <laughs> sometimes, you know, it's like, yeah it's hard to learn things when you're an adult, but then you learn it when you're so young and it just becomes part of your DNA. Um, That's amazing. Okay. So how is nutrition and all that stuff? Does that fit in anymore? Are you, are you, are you still practicing that? Do you have clients, et cetera? I do. So I had gotten totally away from it, like almost forgotten about it in my life. Not, not totally, but um, I kept on my dietitian credentials all those years, like just always feeling like I, I worked really hard to get them and I didn't want to not keep that. So, um, when, uh, just so happens that we moved to a new house in 2020. So we got more property that year. That was also obviously the year I was like, I think I shouldn't be the executive director anymore. 
at AWOL. And I kind of was like in this place I'd never been in my whole adult life where I was like, I don't know what's next. And it was kind of exciting. And I was just like, emptied my mind of like what I should do and allowed myself to just feel like what was next for me, what was coming. I started kind of thinking like, I really want to do something with my land and my gardening and maybe I should bring nutrition into that. And meanwhile, I had in 2020 decided I had kind of let my body go. I was like getting unhealthy. And I just, I was in that phase where I'm like, I feel like I never lost all the weight from my second child. So by then he was five. I just never felt like I got back into my body. And I, I was still doing aerial all that time, but I, I would like try intermittent fasting or I tried like this, some kind of company that sold you shakes. And I was doing like different things to try to, and I was like, nothing works. And somebody had told me that they were doing keto with intermittent fasting. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm never doing that. I would never track my intake. I, I know how important it is, but like, I know I was like going to be so bad at that, but I did end up doing that, um, that year. And I, I dropped all the weight that I had been carrying additionally since having my son. And it wasn't a lot, but I finally got to where I was like, I feel so much better, feel like better in my body. So I used keto to do that. Um, and, at, you know, of course, now that I'm getting back into my career, I wouldn't say that's the only way to do it. But because of that, I was like, oh, maybe I could start helping other people because I felt confident about it. And I was like, obviously, this is what I got my education in. Maybe I should put that to use. So I had decided if I was going to do that, I should probably go do some kind of educational program just to refresh my brain. So I got a certificate in um, functional nutrition. As So I'm technically from that program called a certified functional nutrition counselor. And I really um, loved looking at nutrition through a functional lens, meaning um, if you're not familiar with functional medicine, it really is that you're looking at a person as a whole and looking for root cause rather than just treating symptoms to put it in the most basic terms. Um, so there's lots of, there are lots of medical doctors that are now practicing as functional medical doctors with that approach. Um, and then there are other practitioners that you can get training and be in that functional realm. So that's kind of what I was doing. Um, so I started seeing clients again, um, Gosh, it's probably been almost two years since I started that, maybe a year and a half. And I see clients in private practice, mostly virtual because that just seems to work. I love being in person. I like love just being in the same room as somebody, but this gives me access. I've worked with a lot of people outside of my local area. Um, and I also went to work around that time for the keto diet app as a health coach, which was really fun. I'm not doing it anymore because they're not offering coaching anymore, but, um, it was so, I, I met the most amazing clients through that, which I did not expect, but because of that, I have done a lot of work in the weight loss realm because that's why people are going to the keto diet app is to lose weight. Okay. So tell like, obviously I've 
heard lots about keto, but what did that look like on a daily basis, breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Like what were your favorite things to make for yourself? Um, let's see. I ate a lot of eggs, um, meat, vegetables, fat, avocado, nuts and seeds, very little fruit, mostly just in the form of berries. Okay. Um, and you know, avoiding you're you're not eating any grains, um, any starches, no sugar really. I mean, at first I cut out sugar entirely, like hundred percent. Um, technically you can have alcohol, but you have to be pretty careful like which alcohol you're choosing because a lot of stuff that has alcohol in it has carbs. Right, and and sugar, both. And sugar, <laughs> yes. I cut out gluten entirely. So that was just by choice. Like you can buy keto foods. You can buy keto bread that has wheat in it. Um, it's just that it has such a high fiber content that it's like kind of canceling out the carb content. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, yeah, because keto is when you're counting carbs with keto, you're using net carbs, which is your total carbohydrate minus dietary fiber and minus sugar alcohols. So a sugar alcohol is something like monk fruit or stevia or erythritol. So if they're sweetened with those sweeteners, those get subtracted from your net carbs because they don't affect your blood sugar. This is so interesting. Okay. Was this, was this particular diet hard for you to do? Um, Yes and no. Like at the beginning, it was a little hard and I'm a runner. So running, I felt like I weighed like a ton of bricks for like the first two weeks because your body is adjusting. It's like metabolic flexibility. So it's kind of trying to figure out like how to draw energy from fat at first. Um, once I was adjusted, honestly, it was not that hard because it's very satisfying when you eat high fat, you, you should be so satisfied eating keto that you're not like starving and hungry and deprived because you're the satiety part of your brain is being satisfied. Okay. So just, uh, to make this super real for us. So like, what is, what was one of your favorite meals? Let's talk about dinner. I ate a lot of like, I would make spaghetti. So I'd make spaghetti for my family. And actually my husband was doing keto with me basically the entire time. But, um, if I made spaghetti, I would just eat it over like roasted cauliflower, the sauce and the meat. Um, we ate a lot of like, we do tacos, but I would use the lettuce wraps instead of a shell or a tortilla. Um, I definitely, I mean, I still eat very low carb. So my dinners generally would be meat and vegetables like salad or, zucchini or cauliflower, broccoli, all the cruciferous vegetables that are really good for you. Um, Brussels sprouts, kale, um, different, yeah, you know, spinach, different kinds of lettuces. So my plate often at dinner would just be like a big hunk of meat of some sort, either chicken or steak, um, beef or ground beef, you know, in the form of a patty or like with taco seasoning or something. And then so you just have like your greens and your vegetables at dinner, which I'm so used to. Like I would never feel like I needed 
a side of grains with that. Um, lunches, I... Wait, help me out. Is cheese in or out? Um, it can be in. So hard cheeses are better. I eat a lot of cheese. I And if you are not, like, there's different ways to do it. Really clean keto would okay. be pretty low dairy. Part of that would be that one of the goals of eating this way from a health standpoint is to reduce inflammation. And for a lot of people, dairy can be yeah, okay. very inflammatory. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of like finding a balance for what's feeling good for you. I think some of the side benefits of keto are like, you're finding much better blood sugar balance, you're reducing inflammation, you're healing your gut, you're figuring out how to make your body feel really clean, which once you are eating clean, you're like, oh, now I get what it means to feel clean. Like you're not disrupting your system. And for some people, dairy might not be right, right. great for that, which right? Which makes a lot of sense. Okay. So that would make it mm-hmm. slightly easier for somebody like me to do to do keto. My, my problem is, is that... <laughs> Um, I have all these other gut issues, which take a lot of vegetables out of my, out of the scenario, which, which makes it really hard yeah. to like go after like either a vegetarian, vegan, keto. Cause you know, you're are, like so many of those fruits and vegetables are crossed off the list, but I, I feel like, um, yeah, let me ask you this is keto. Like, obviously you can't call it keto if you are doing a hybrid, but would it even be helpful to take some of that theory and just apply it to your normal diet? Yes, for sure. And so my approach with everyone is to try to get people just eating more whole foods and less processed packaged foods. So eating real foods in the form that they were made, right? So however... God created that food in its whole form. Um, That's kind of like tier one. Tier two would be applying some of those principles, like what you're saying, to be able to clean up your diet and maybe bring some inflammation down. I know like eating, like the more carbs you eat, generally you're going to hold more fluid and you're going to probably feel like some of that bloat that we all talk about is inflammation that we're feeling in our body. When you get rid of the carbs or get them lowered quite a bit, you start to reduce that inflammation and your body is just generally going to feel lighter and you get more efficient. Your metabolism becomes more efficient. You can flex between a day where you have a little bit more carbs to days where you don't have as many carbs. You're, you're like more efficient at reaching in and grabbing energy when you need it. Um, so there's a lot of benefits to that. And people always ask me like, well, you could never eat keto like your whole life. Could you, wouldn't that be really bad for you? Um, when I grew up going to college, it like being in ketosis from a traditional medical standpoint was like evil. Like that's when Atkins diet became really popular. Everyone was like, that's the worst thing you could do for yourself. Um, a lot of research has happened since then. And we're seeing so many benefits to lowering carbohydrate intake, number one, and number two, being in ketosis and how that, like, um, one of the main things they're seeing is you can reverse diabetes by using a keto diet. 
So there's obviously plenty of benefit coming from that. Um, I have been working on this clean eating plan for some people that I work with and um, doing a 21, we're calling it a 21 day summer surge. And it is based on kind of what I was just talking about. We're trying to reduce inflammation, boost your energy and maximize your metabolic flexibility and overall just clean up your diet. So we all kind of go through times where we're like, oh man, I've gotten like really bad with the sugar or you have maybe a lot of stuff going on where you're at events and you feel like you're consuming more alcohol than you're used to, or maybe is great for your body. I know for women, especially alcohol is not metabolized as well. Um, part of that is just because we have a, a higher fat body fat percentage than men, but we also have a lot of hormones at play. So being able to find some balance there and, you know, reduce alcohol is, most of the time beneficial. So that is a part of what I'm putting out there for this surge. But um, the focus on this is to reduce your carbohydrate intake down to what I call low carbohydrate, which is around 50 grams of net carbs a day. Um, if you're trying to be in ketosis, you probably have to be between 20 and 30 grams a day. And then also bear in mind that it's like a proven fact that we all underestimate what we're doing. So if you're aiming for 50, you're probably, you know, you're probably a little over that anyway. So it's nice to keep it a little bit on the low side. Um, what is 50 carbohydrate? What, what is 50, whatever, what does that look like in a day? Is that just vegetables then? Because do you get those cards from vegetables? Um, 50 grams. You're getting it. Okay. So what I did just for today, so we could, I could give you a good example of that is I kind of like made a menu up of what you could consume to stay within that. And, um, so I'll just go through the foods and then I'll point out kind of where those carbs are, are at play. First thing in the morning, having like what I call a bulletproof coffee, which is, um, the way I make it is I do like two shots of espresso with some hot water, like an Americano. And I blend that in my blender with coconut oil and collagen peptides. Um, so right off the bat, you're getting a pretty solid dose of fat, like healthy fat and protein in the morning. And then breakfast, which I tend to eat breakfast a little bit later. I don't technically intermittent fast, but I try to keep my eating window a little bit tight. Um, I had breakfast at 10 a.m. and I have three eggs, two sausage links, a half of an avocado and 10 raspberries. So your main carb source that's happening there is raspberries. There's going to be a little bit of carb probably in your avocado, not much. Um, at lunch, I... That's a, that's a fulfilling yes. breakfast. Yes, and then you're not going to be hungry. Like if you eat that, you're going to... If you really like commit to having that, which also, that's why I like to eat it a little bit later. I don't want that. Like right when I wake up, it's heavy, but, um, a few weeks ago, I had something similar to that for breakfast and went and rehearsed Ariel for like three hours and wasn't even hungry when I finished. So it was really right. sustaining. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, for lunch, I have kind of like a snack plate. I do this a lot. So I started to say earlier, um, I have 
turkey slices, um, some white cheddar, olives, carrots, pickle spears, and plantain chips, and a half of a banana. So your carbs from that meal, like there is going to be a little carb in all of that, but you're getting it from like definitely the plantain chips. I only had a couple. I don't remember exactly how many chips it was. It was a half an ounce. Um, but those are gluten-free and those would be like whole 30 approved. So they're kind of on the clean eating list. Mostly depends on, I guess, what kind of oil they're fried in or baked in or whatever they're making them. Um, so I don't remember how many carbs exactly were in that meal, but they're mostly coming. Like you're going to get a little bit of carbs from the carrots. You're going to get a little from the cheddar cheese, a, a couple grams, um, a banana is like a lower glycemic index fruit, meaning it's not so high on the sugar content side. Um, I'd call it like a mid-range. So we just did a half a banana. Okay. Um, dinner okay. would be two beef patties with some mayonnaise to dip it in. You could maybe mix some mustard into that. Um, I had a whole zucchini bake or um, like stovetop prepared with olive oil and then an ounce of feta cheese on the zucchini and that was it so that would be your day um at dinner your carbs are coming from like your zucchini a little tiny bit from your feta basically so yeah that's not too hard to work in like I think it would be hard for me to like cold turkey it with with a lot of stuff but if I think about my breakfast that's kind of what I do anyway because like right now we're kind of out of groceries so I usually get English muffins but they're yeah. gone we already ate and them. you didn't die <laughs> and then all I, di- I didn't die uh and then I usually cut up a bunch of strawberries for the bean and then just eat off her yep. plate and so there's no way I eat more than more than 10 right. raspberries worth of strawberries and I have uh my eggs. Yeah. I mean, I can't drink coffee, mm-hmm. which is really problematic. Right? <laughs> In so many ways. Oh, it's like, ugh. Um, what kind of vegan milk do you drink? Do you drink, do you drink vegan milk? Um, I, so if I, I, I drink milk and use heavy cream and stuff like that. But if I was going to choose one, oh, okay. I would choose almond milk. It's the lowest carb option, and I would also – I'm kind of picky about even how I choose my, like, nut milks because they can have okay. fillers in them that you could get really nitpicky about what's inside of them. But looking for clean milks without yeah. with less processed, less stuff – I mean, if you really want to, you could make your own. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, that's the problem with all a lot of these vegan options, yes. right? Um, because, like, I like to throw a vegan option in there every once in a while just because, you know, my, you know, climate change awareness and knowing that I can't, that putting meat on my plate every single day, I don't necessarily need to do that. How do you feel about proteins like tofu? I think tofu, so I tend to shy away from soy protein to some degree, Mainly just because it's inflammatory, right? It can be inflammatory. It can kind of mess with your estrogen levels, but also like most soy is GMO. And so you have to be picky about what soy, you know, it needs to be organic, non-GMO. So I would say that if you are eating tofu and it's organic, non-GMO, 
and you're not eating it every day, it's fine. Like it's all about moderation and then choosing high quality products, just like what you're talking about with your meat. If you're eating grass fed meat, which is hard to do at every meal, also hard to do if you're eating out, but if you are eating it, um, eating really high quality meat, grass fed meat is not harmful to the earth. It's good for the earth because it's helping regenerate soil. So if we can make choices like that, then we're doing good in multiple areas. And I do really, I mean, that's why I'm raising cows because I have control over what they're eating and how they're treated, right? So it is a tricky balance. Are you going to go as, are, are you raising them to sell the meat or are you going to like, like live off the earth <laughs> type of situation? Um, it'd be really hard to really live off the earth. I know some people are doing it. We're just aiming. No, it's yeah, really hard. Yeah. Like year round too. I mean, the amount of canning you would have to do and then not really having anything fresh for like in Oregon, you wouldn't have anything fresh for months. Like right now I would still be. The only thing that grows outside right now is my kale. Um, that would get old. But the cows, what we did, we bought two cows and we are doing shares. So we have eight people, including ourselves. So we're splitting the cows into quarters. And I think that's kind of adequate, like having a quarter of a cow for a year and then get another one. You know, we could start the whole process over. So it's, that's a lot of meat. I have no idea what this means. A cow, if you were to sell mm -hmm. it for consumption, how much are you making off of that? Like, what is the dollar amount that you would sell? I actually don't know. So we're doing a split where, because I'd never done this before. I was a little bit worried. I was like, what if I like screw this up? Or I don't know, what if a cow dies or something? So we just, we're doing a total equal split with everyone, um, and we asked around a lot of questions. So we think that the cow will yield, if a cow is like 2000 pounds in real life, it'll yield like maybe around 800 pounds of meat. I'm sure someone's listening to this and they're like, Jen, it's not going to be that much. You could, I've read. I'm pretty sure not a lot of people know this. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> that are listening to this podcast. I've yeah. read that it can be like five to 800 pounds. So each person is getting like 125 to 200 pounds of meat once it's slaughtered and butchered. So what we did is we paid for the cows up front and then we we split that between everybody. Everybody put in $200. And then oh, that's right it. Now, and then at the end we'll split the cost of like whatever we the... had to pay for like the hay which has only been a couple hundred dollars so far. And then the slaughter and the butcher. And the butcher it's a cost per pound but we're under the impression that it won't be any more than 500 more dollars. So you'd be getting, it's $700. And so if you average it all out, I think it came out to like $5 a pound, um, something like that. And it's a mix of like ground beef and then several cuts of whatever else it is, like steak cuts and stuff. But it's, the majority is ground, like 60% of it is ground. Did you even know you were going to learn this and today? And how long? <laughs> no, I had no idea. I had zero idea. So how long are you raising So cow? when you got the cows, they were nine months old in December, and they'll be slaughtered in November because we're grass feeding them. They take a little bit longer to finish. So they'll be like 20 months old. 
Oh yeah. So like the kids, like how do you talk to your kids about not <laughs> about what is meant for this cow? You know, this is like Charlotte's right. web. It's like, um, yeah. It's kind of funny. Like my daughter doesn't want to have anything to do with it. She doesn't, I think she thinks it's weird that we have cows. Um, but my son is like, he'll just tell people like, oh, they're beef cows. We're going to eat them. He just is like very logical <laughs> about it. Um, but I'm the only one it. that really takes, like I'm the one that feeds them and I'll go out. They, we have two pastures and one of our pastures comes up against our garden and they love the kale. So I'll like feed them kale out of the garden. And that's when they're like cute. Wait, I'm doing math. 120 pounds times five. How much is that? Okay. It says, it says $600. Yeah. So you're like, just, you're not really making money. No, we're not. I'm not this year. I want to, but I kind of wanted to like, just test it out. And everybody who's doing this with us are people that we know pretty well, friends and family. And so our property, I didn't know this either. Another thing that you have to know about cows, like they eat the grass till it's like gone. So you have to keep moving them so that grass can regrow. Oh. And we okay. only have about like about two of our acres on our land are available to the cows. So we've been swapping them back and forth, but we couldn't really have more than two cows. So if you really like, even if we made like, let's say we made a dollar a pound or something on the meat, like that's probably, we can't have a lot of cows. So we're never going to make a lot of money. So Right, because that's why it's problematic because you need yeah. the land for them to graze. Oh, it's all coming yeah, together. It's really interesting. Which is why grass-fed meat is yes. more expensive because they need the yes. land. Yeah, but it's really, God, it's it. pretty cool. Like it's, I think it's kind of, it's fulfilling and like gives you a lot of purpose. Like we have chickens, so we're getting eggs from them every day. And um, my goats are kind of worthless. Those eggs must be yes, delicious, they by are, the way. and they're beautiful and like, there, there's something about having it all right here and that you like di you did some kind of work to raise these animals that are giving you food back and there's like love being exchanged and it gets me outside too. There's, um, there's something. So do you know what the blue zones are? Have you heard of that? Uh, no. They're what like is that? different. There's, I think there's like seven or eight around the world and there are people that have, they're, Places that communities, pe places people live that have like the most centurions, like the most people who live past 100. And so they've done a lot oh. of studies. It's really interesting on these communities to find like what is it that contributes to their health. There's not like anything. Um, I don't think there's a magic recipe because they're all over. Like I think one of them is Okinawa. Another one is Sardinia, like Italy. Um, I can't even think of what any of the other ones are right now, but one thing that they have in common is that they have a lot of like natural movement in their life. So like going out to like get your eggs, going out to feed your animals, like where it's kind of like part of your daily life that you have to go do these like activities that are physical motion activities is something all of their like diff these different zones, all of the yeah. residents. Um, another right. one is like how social they are and how interactive they are with other people, whether it be like through their church, their religion, their, like their spiritual life, their families, like a lot of them like live together, multi-generation families. Um, they eat together. So it's really cool to like 
some of the things we couldn't ever have in our life because we don't live where they live, but there are principles we can apply. So that's one of them I think is really nice is like, I'm going outside all the time, even though I'm in freezing cold, rainy Oregon. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it's been so nice here recently. I, every time I talk to somebody like that, you yeah. know, on the East coast, they've been cold for, for months and months. But uh, Jen, this is this is so uh, interesting. I did not not know anything about keto. Yeah, really. Now you do. And yeah, and I feel like um, I, I think I could bring in some of those principles. And last night, I think I might have. No, I didn't eat keto last night. I ate very low carb last night, but I ate a whole mango. Oh yeah. Oh well. yummy. I love so, mango. Doesn't doesn't really doesn't really count as keto, but it was also it was it was uh, no starchy carbs. I. I don't know. I just wasn't hungry for it, which is what is more helpful for yeah. me um, when I'm trying to eliminate some stuff. Like the best part is if you don't actually want it. Oh, I know. But which is the easiest part, <laughs> but it doesn't always work that yeah, way. Yeah, But that's what I was going to say about. So for this, for keto in particular, but I think this would be true for if you're even just aiming for low carbs, depending on what kind of principles you're following. When you get a lot of what you're talking about when you want something is really based on your blood sugar. And when you get really good blood sugar balance, some of those cravings or desires to have the higher carb foods just drift away because you're in such balance that your blood sugar isn't diving down and making you feel that feeling of like, oh, I really need XYZ food to make me feel better or feel more satisfied. Um, if you want, I can run through like really quick because listeners could take notes and do a similar eating plan if they wanted to jump into summer with like feeling good about their body. And um, it's not necessarily for weight loss, yeah. but I would say more for reset. There may be a side effect of weight loss, um, but that's, you know, it depends on kind of what you're needing and what you're after. So yeah, let's, let's do okay, it. Cool. Um, so we're aiming for about 50% fat, 40% protein and 10% carbs. So if you're a macro counter or you're into that, or you want to get an app to macro count, that would be the percentages you're aiming for. If you want to break those down into real grams, you're at like around, this is roughly speaking around 120 grams of fat, 125 grams of protein. I think I had in there. And around 50 grams of carbohydrates with about a 2000 calorie diet. So remember, things are going to adjust depending on what calories you're aiming for. Um, you can use apply okay. the percentage rates. Okay, so what I have the focus on for food intake would be with your meats, trying to prioritize grass fed and organic meat with dairy, prioritizing raw organic a2 casein, which is a whole thing we could get into and probably don't have time for, but whole fat dairy would be your aim. Um, for fruits, we're prioritizing berries. And if you're going outside of the berry category, you can look up online like Dr. Axe, A-X-E, Dr. Josh Axe, he has a really good article on low glycemic index and glycemic load. And that can kind of help you guide your choices for what kind of fruits you're using. And vegetables. Um, vegetables 
moderate intake is what I have listed. I think focusing on the leafy greens. I know it sounds like maybe for you, that's the, that is not as feasible. Um, but you could use cucumbers, zucchini, um, like I said earlier, broccoli and cauliflower are really good choices. Eggs. And of course, if you can go with pastures and organic eggs and then on your, your fats, we're aiming for organic, cold-pressed oils. Um, avocado oil is really good for cooking. Olive oil is great for topping. And coconut oil, MCT oil is an option. Organic butter. Some people use tallow, which is beef fat. Um, so those are the main categories we're using for our food choices. So if you kind of think about it like, okay, we're eating meat, dairy, fruit, vegetables, eggs, and fats. You can do seeds and nuts too. So those are great for snacking. And I don't tolerate nuts very well, but um, I use them a lot before I realized that. Um, but that's another good category for like getting extra protein and fat in, in your day. So the stuff we're aiming for like minimal amounts of, so you don't have to cut it out entirely, would be high fiber grains. Quinoa is a good option there. The low glycemic fruits and vegetables and... Um, we're also keeping our hydration really high using filtered water. If you have, like I have a, um, AquaTrue filter that I use for my drinking water and it's a reverse osmosis filter. If you're doing something like that, I just want to remind okay. you, like, it's really good to add minerals back into that water because the reverse oh, okay. osmosis draws that out. Um, electrolytes. I have a question. Yeah. I have a question. Sorry. Uh, how about how about the people that say, what about cholesterol with all this, mm -hmm. with all this? Um, yeah. What's the answer? What's the answer so to that? Cholesterol in what I'm reading and understanding with latest studies is that a lot of the studies that have been done, well, th throughout the years have been faulty and cholesterol is a very complex um topic where the there are good cholesterols and bad cholesterols eggs have gotten a horrible rap for cholesterol and this i just just listened the other day to i listened to a podcast with dr mark hyman a lot it's called the doctor's pharmacy with an f and he just did a little review on this but his the gist was that um the studies that have been done recently are showing that like eggs are not making cholesterol go up and they are so beneficial to um giving you choline which is really good for your brain i don't i don't worry about cholesterol and i think it's because if you're eating clean and you're not um you're not in a situation where you have a ton of inflammation in your arteries then cholesterol should not be creating an issue for you. There's that's so complex because okay. of genetics and blood pressure and that. But what I understand, and this is kind of coming from a functional health view, is what we thought about cholesterol is not right. I think a lot of the study, there's a really, really good book. If you're really interested in it, it's called The Cholesterol Myth. And it totally okay. breaks down like years of things that we've been told about cholesterol that just simply aren't true. 
I feel like the 80s and 90s were like the worst for stuff like that. Like all the like all the ads and what foods to just like and it was all coming from corporations it, and trying to make it's money. Absolutely. Versus what was really real. true. You're so right and it's driven by corporations and big pharma. So cholesterol, how do we treat cholesterol with a statin? Statin drugs are like huge industry in the pharmaceutical world. And you know, if everyone stopped taking statins that would be crushing to the pharmaceutical industry so that makes me feel really good about eggs because every time I eat like my yolks I'm like is this a good <laughs> idea because it's delicious no I there are so it's so cool like I'm I'm kind of an alternative person when it comes to diet like I'm definitely not just following the western medicine protocols um but there are some really cool accounts to follow that of people that are eating carnivore and they're eating like massive amounts of beef and eggs and they're ripped and they're healthy and they've there's studies coming out showing that they're reversing things like kidney disease and all kinds of stuff that you can do like I think we're going to see in the next 10 years a huge shift in what we think and what we're afraid of like what you just said okay sorry didn't mean to interrupt you go ahead finish okay. up your uh the last yeah, there's part one of last this. part and I just kind of um I'm using the word avoid rather than like absolutely no X, Y, Z, right? So avoiding sugar, starches, and anything processed would be your top three. Sugar, starches, and processed foods. Um, I also have gluten, excess dairy, legumes, because legumes can be inflammatory for a lot of people. And then the high glycemic index fruits and starchy vegetables, sulfites and sulfates which are found in processed meats like you can buy bacon without it but look for it because that is cruddy for your body and then alcohol if you can take 21 days off of alcohol i give you a big pat on the back for just getting it out of your body for a little while it's a slow drip poison and we don't need it <laughs> so that's it oh oh one more thing i had refined oils on there too which if you're not familiar with um, all the seed oils and the the inf inflammation they cause, you can totally find a million places on the internet talking about it's the sunflower, safflower, grape seed oil, canola oil, vegetable oil, peanut oil, soybean oil, all the things that you're like, how did they get oil out of like, I don't know, vegetables or how do they get oil out of soybeans? So is is this is this a yes or a no? I say no. Yeah. Avoiding. Okay. Yes. Got it. Thank you for clarifying. Avoiding. And so the things, the things that would be not on that list are olive oil, olive oil, avocado, avocado oil, coconut oil, oil butter, tallow. Some people like clarified butter or ghee. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so much to chew on with Ooh, this. That was a good pun too. Ha! <laughs> I didn't even mean to do it. Uh, Jenna, Jenna was so great to, you know, I, I was saying to another guest yesterday, like, this is how I'm expanding my worldwide aerial community. Yeah. One conversation at a time. It's Isn't really it great. Fun? So it's great to I meet you. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. It was nice meeting you too. Thanks so much, Jen, for carving out the time. You are busy with gymnastics and um, taking care of your farm animals and still being uh, an aerialist. So I thank you and I appreciate you. And my 
listeners, I appreciate you as well. If you would please honor me with a five-star rating and a review where you get your podcast. It means so much. It helps so much. Um, just smash that five stars. Leave a sentence. I'll, you know, highlight you on my website. If you're interested in teacher training, AL Rehab, uh, Beginner, Silks online course, even if you're not a beginner and you don't want to go back to class and ask somebody how to wrap a footlock or to do some of the simple stuff that you know, but you need a reminder of, it's a great tool because you'll have lifetime access and you'll have the stuff in your back pocket for whenever you need it. And we are now part of the Digitant family of podcasts. You want to say hi to the bean? Okay. You want to say hi, my love? I think my arm passed Oh, I know. All right, my friends. Uh, yeah, Digitent Podcasts. You can also check out Greener Grass, which is in the show notes, which is really, really broad. And um, Mom? Yes, my love. Mom, that bird on our car. <gasps> yeah, there's a bird that pooped on our car. She's very upset about it. What else would you like to say to the listeners? It looked like... Is a little bit poo. She really wants to go to sleep. So we're doing this late at night. All right, my friends, over and out. This is Carrie signing off from green, <laughs> Greener Grass. This is the Expecting Aerialist. All right, guys, it's peace not out. Carrie is my mama. Yeah, but my name's Carrie. No, mama. But I'm not mama to everybody. I'm just mama to you. Mama.